All right, so um, it feels like it's been a long time over this, this Christmas break. Um, so we'll just jump right into the review. We are on, we'll be at the end of chapter 4 in Deuteronomy today and the beginning of chapter 5. Um, we spent the, the previous three weeks when we met uh, in Deuteronomy 4. Um, and so um, remember that that is, and then we com- concluded last time, the first message of Moses um, in Deuteronomy, the first of the three um, that are uh, said on the other side of the Jordan, east of the Jordan River, um, before the people of Israel enter into the promised land, and and Moses um, gives them three messages, and the goal of the messages is, is, is really well communicated uh, with the last verse that we that we read um, in chapter four, it's not the last cha- verse of chapter four, but it's the last one that we read, um, which is verse forty. So Deuteronomy four forty says this: Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. And here's the reward for that: that it will go well with you. And that your children and your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Again, this is a promise to Israel, but but it is also a, a general statement about if we live according to God's law. Generally, things go better for us. Um, it isn't a promise directly to us that we're going to live long in the land, uh, etc., except for the land that we're going to someday. Uh, not this land, uh, but the eternal kingdom of God. So this is a good summary, though, of what Deuteronomy is, is about. Um, and so tonight we're going to cover a little bit of ground that's in between the first and the second message, and then we're actually going to start the second message um, tonight. So as we look at this this chart that's here, you can see that the second message, Moses' second message, is by far the longest. It's from, from chapter 5 to chapter 28, and so there are only 34 chapters in in Deuteronomy, and so this is this is 24 of the 34 chapters. So there are six after it. Uh, there were four before it, uh, but we are going to be in the second message for a while. Um, and the second message contains things that we're familiar with. Uh, one of those is what Jesus called the greatest commandment: "You shall love the Lord with all your heart." Heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Although mind isn't isn't in um, the Old Testament version of that, that Jesus is explaining what that means. Uh, it also contains the Ten Commandments. So, in this second command, second message of Moses, his this sermon, if you will, before they head across to um, the Promised Land. And then in addition to that, in addition to those things, a lot of other 
commandments and instructions that the people are to follow in order to live long in the land and so that it goes well for them and it goes well for their children. So this is going to be, we're going to be here a while. Um, And before we get to even the Ten Commandments, which really are the first part of of this message, um, we have these a few verses of transition. Um, And before we get started on on that, um, New Year's resolutions. Okay, so did anybody make one? Anybody make a New Year's resolution? If you did, just raise your hand. Come on, I know some of you did. Not everybody's given up yet <laughs> on making New Year's New Year's resolutions. Um, I don't I don't make them, but I do set goals often at the first of the year, but but not New Year's resolutions um, per se. Um, I was we were at Bible study. Uh, a few days ago, and um, somebody at the Bible study talked about this this uh, 75-day challenge. Um, talking about okay, you're going to eat certain things, you're going to you're going to drink certain things, you're going to read this many pages of a nonfiction book, you're going to do this, and then and you're going to work out this many times, etc. Oh, so that's a resolution? No, nope, I don't make resolutions. He said <laughs> it's a 75-day challenge. And by the way, the, different from a resolution, a New Year's resolution, if you fail, you have to start over. You don't just get to quit. So you have to do it until you do the 75, 75 days. But often at this time, um, New Year's resolutions are about, okay, what are they about? Weight loss, right? I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to exercise. Well, there's there's a really good reason for that, um, that those are common goals. Uh, Saw this on CBS News the other day that like most people gain about five pounds over the holidays and then they lose half of it. And so they get two and a half pounds heavier every year um, because they lose that they lose half of it and just keep gaining. So there's a good reason that this that this happens. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but the busiest day at a fitness center isn't January 1st, necessarily, isn't January 2nd. It's the Monday after the first of the year. So that's tomorrow. So if you want to get in on those New Year's resolutions for fitness and go to there on the busiest day, tomorrow's your day. Uh, head there. Uh, if you want to go there when you can work out without bumping into people, go on February 1st. Um, <laughs> because that's, what's, that's what usually happens. So, so the question then becomes, is there any value in New Year's resolutions? Or, or if you want to use the terminology that, that, that I use, goals. Goals for the year. Is there any value in setting those. Um, Is there any value in changing what you're doing or trying to change what what you are doing, to trying to do things better? 
Well, this morning, Pastor Randy, as, as usual on uh, the first Sunday of the year, brought up Bible uh, reading plans, McShane and and I um, can't remember what the daily journal, whatever that one's called, Discipleship Journal, yep, Discipleship Journal one, but the McShane reading plan. Um, so is there value in that? I mean, I don't know about you, if you've ever started on one of those, and you might even think of this now, well, it's already January 7th, I can't do that now. I can't, I can't read the Bible through in a year because it's January 7th. Maybe I'll do it next year. Um, well, you haven't already blown it if it's January 7th and you want to take up one of those Bible reading plans. It's not really that hard to, to make up a week. It's hard, to make, it's hard to make up 51 at the end. But, it, but today is not too late to start something like that. And so is there any value in that? You know, you might ask, you may ask this question. Just as well ask this question, is there any value in, in a Bible reading plan? Is there any value in knowing God better? Because without scripture, that just doesn't happen, right? That it's, it's God's word that God makes himself known to us through his word. Um, and so ask that question. There, there are other options, too. There are, there are audio Bibles. I was, I was um, any, guys, any of you heard of the Babylon Bee? It's, it's, it's. Their byline is fake news you can trust, but <laughs> but anyway, um, just this little headline: man who listens to sixteen Christian podcasts doesn't have time for to listen to the Bible on audio. Just a little point here that, that it just really isn't that hard to do that kind of a thing. Um, it doesn't take, it takes about maybe 15 to 20 minutes a day to listen to the Bible on an, on an audio version, to get through the whole thing in a year. Um, and so just, just think about those things because, um, you know, as I was reading through this passage the last couple of weeks, and, and it is over the first of the year, um, thinking about things like goals for the next year. There is this verse. I came across this verse, and this is from tonight. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. And you shall learn them. The reason that that stood out to me is there's another verse, not very much after this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it it talks about teaching them to your children. Well, teach and, and, and learn are from the same word, basically, in in Hebrew. Um, and so it stands out when it says something to learn something, because it usually says to teach, to learn them. Um, the, the Jewish translation of Eng- English translation of the Hebrew Bible, uh, the common one, says here, "You shall 
study them for this word. So that's why that stood out to me. And then the more I looked at it, the more I noticed this. You shall learn them and be careful to do them or to use the language that we had been using for a while for the for this terminology you shall learn them and guard them in order to to do them so of course that makes you think of of this learn them and do them makes me think of this Matthew passage with with Jesus teaching learn and do Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat at that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So is there any value in learning them, and being careful to do them. So that would be a good goal, right, to learn them. So Moses has got uh, 24 chapters of this. starts off with this for 24 chapters. Um, And in there are the Ten Commandments, the second message. You know, in a, in a, that's the context here. But in the, in the broader sense, all of Scripture could be included in that. Learn them, because we know that Scripture wasn't complete yet when Moses was speaking this. Um, maybe none of it was written down yet at this point. But, you know, many of us like to like the term or are familiar with the term lifelong learner, and we think of ourselves as we, that would be a good thing for us to be, a lifelong learner. But but what does that what does that actually mean to be a lifelong learner? Um, been around um, lots of people who have used that that term. Um, I can think of you know. One particular group that likes to think lifelong learning means to read as many books as possible. Reading books is a is a good thing. Read lots of stuff. That's a good thing. Reading is good. But staying focused on this, on reading with this purpose to learn what what God has laid out for us and to stay with it, to, you could put it this way, stay upon Jehovah uh, as well, to make that, it shouldn't be a yearly goal, this should be a, this should be a lifelong goal. So tonight we're in Deuteronomy 4, verses 41 through 5, 5. That's only uh, 14 verses. So if you'd open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 4, um, 
So in, if you have the ESV, many of you do have an ESV Bible, uh, I'm going to open it up, and you will have, in this, these 14 verses, you have three different paragraphs, um, and in those three paragraphs, there are three different headings that the ESV uses. So um, the first paragraph is verses 41 to 43, and, and, and the ESV uses cities of refuge as the heading for those three verses, for 41 to 43. Um, those are, that's a good heading for those, those verses. Um, the next verses, 44 through 49, the ESV has introduction to the law, well, the word law here is the same word as Torah, or Torah as you more commonly said. So I'd um, make that little adjustment, call it introduction to the Torah, which means instruction, more than just law, means instruction um, as well. And then uh, beginning in chapter, or in verse 1 of chapter 5, and all the way through chapter 5, the ESV has the heading uh, the Ten Commandments. We're just going to cover the, the beginning of that, so the introduction to the Ten Commandments. Um, so we'll use those for our heading and headings, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to look through each of those sections. Um, so that's what we'll do. The first one, the first section, the first one about cities of refuge, just going to read through that the first time and go right to the second section um, and comment on that on the second section and do the same with the third. But then we'll return at the end to that first section, the Cities of Refuge um, section. So let's begin, and again, with the Cities of Refuge section, I'm just going to read through it. not going to make a comment, um, but we will comment on it later. Then Moses set apart three cities in the east beyond the Jordan, that the manslayer might flee there. Anyone who kills his neighbor unintentionally Without being at enmity with him in the time past, he may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Uh, Bezer in the wilderness on the tableland for the Reubenites, remote in Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. So um, now we'll comment on those later. We'll move on to the next section, introduction to the Torah or Torah or the law. Uh, and in the ESV, by that, I think they mean um, this introduction here at the end, that it's the introduction to the whole second message, this, this 24 chapters, which is almost exclusively composed of laws. Um, from the Ten Commandments on. Um, and so the next 24 chapters, as I mentioned, are going to be a lot of laws, a lot of case laws, a lot of things that expound on the Ten Commandments. Um, but we shouldn't get the idea that, think that, well, these are Old Testament laws, and so they don't really have anything to do with me um, today. So, Remember what Jesus said about that. 
Here's one of the things that Jesus said about that. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So uh, there's a lot in those verses that, that Jesus said, but um, one of those is that, that we're not supposed to think that these laws are temporary. Now, some of the details with Israel, specifically as God's old covenant people, will be um, different, but many of the principles are the same principles that we should um, have today. Um, so we'll read this section now. Deuteronomy 4, 44 through 49. Make a few observations as we go through this. This is the law, or this is the Torah. This is the Torah that Moses, these are the instructions, you could say, that Moses set down before the people. So he's teaching the whole congregation here. He's teaching everybody, not just the leaders. They're about to enter the promised land. Uh, and this is the introductory message to the um, second message, uh, introductory section. It's not actually Moses speaking yet here, right? He's not talking to the people yet. It's just telling you that this is what is going to happen. Um, these are the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which are contained within uh, the law or the Torah. Um, these are these are saying it again, basically, the Torah, um, which Moses spoke to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So when they came out of Egypt um, was a long time before this. So just note that, that it's almost 40 years before this. So when it says when they came out of Egypt, that was 40 years, this is almost 40 years later, and most of the generation that came out of Egypt has died. Um, but... Uh, just like the first message, we're now going to go back to the place where Moses delivered this message. Beyond the Jordan, in the valley opposite Bet Peor, in the land of Sihon, the king of the Amorites who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the people of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. So, Here's a different map. I don't know if it's any clearer, but the, it's got a red circle around it, um, which is about where this is. Um, it's not part of the promised land. It's on the east side of the Jordan, which was not part of the promised land. It was a land given to the people of Israel as a blessing to them, and also because of the great sins of the Amorites who were living there. Uh, God gives Israel... Uh, this land, and this is where this message takes place. In the land of Sihon, 
or Sihon, really, the king of the Amorites who lived at Heshbon, um, who's, whom Moses and the people of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. There's that when they came out of Egypt again. That wasn't very long ago. Uh, they just defeated this people. And they took possession of his land and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites who lived east beyond the Jordan, from Oroer, uh, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, as far as Mount Sirion, which is Hermon, together with all the Aravah on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of the Aravah, that's the, that's the Dead Sea, under the slopes of Pisgah, which are the, the cliffs on the other side, uh, or the slopes on the other side. That doesn't mean a lot to you. Uh, here is an illustration. So the, the, the north and the south, Mount Hermon um, and Aurair, are circled on the south. And then there's a red line. Um, so it's everything east of that um, is the area that we're talking about. Again, not originally part of the promised land, but this is the land that's given to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the Manassites. So... Moses' message was delivered in that region, um, in that land that was was taken there. So from Og and from Sihon. So the next section is introduction to the Ten Commandments. So Moses' second message then begins now in, in Deuteronomy 5.1. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments that I speak in your hearing today. So this is going to start, what he's going to do is start with the Ten Commandments. Um, But we're not going to get to those today. And you shall learn them and be careful to or guard them in order to do them. So that's, that's the verse we looked at at the beginning here. This is... This is a, a worthy goal for us. Um, I'm not even sure goal is the right word because I think goal is supposed to be, you're supposed to be able to like see what it looks like when you're complete. Um, and there's a sense of ending when you accomplish it. This is a worthy work for us. Um, it's a life work for us. It's it's like the statement we are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. It's a never-ending work, but what better work could we have than to do this, to learn them and to be careful to do them. So if we if we were to say that we learn God's word and we're careful to do God's word at the end of our life, would that be a good thing? And, and what would that mean? So, what do we have in what do we have in Scripture, right here? What do we have in God's words that we are supposed to learn? Well, um, this book is by John Frame. I'm going to quote him from a different book. Um, we tend to think that that Scripture tells us about salvation. Um, and so as, as long, and that's what it's about. So once we're, once we're saved, 
um, then we don't, then we can just kind of, we're good to go, right? Here's what Frame, here's a quote from John Frame from Systematic Theology. Um, Scripture contains divine words sufficient for all of life. It has all the divine words, all of God's words that the plumber needs. All the divine words that the theologian needs. So it is just as sufficient for plumbing as it is for theology. And in that sense, it is sufficient for science and for ethics as well. So salvation, scripture isn't only about salvation. It's for all of life. And it tells us what God wants us to know in order to live our lives. It tells us everything that God wants us to know in order to live our lives. We don't have to look for another word from God about our lives. Scripture gives us all of it. That's what we have here. What does God want us to know? To live our lives. Here it is. Right there. That's the whole thing. All you need to know all you need to do right there in Scripture. So Scripture is, is complete now. We have the complete Scripture and, and just remind you of what we have um, this. A long time ago, we might think that it would be neat to hear God speak the Ten Commandments. A long time ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. It's complete. This message that we have from God is complete um, for everything that we need for this Life. So, so maybe if you're a lot younger than I am, you might think, well, we have a, we have a lot of time to learn this. Um, if, you're, if you're my age, you think, boy, what a, what a waste of time I've made <laughs> by not learning this and, I, and, and not being tempted to say, I don't have enough time left to make a difference in what I should know and learn and learn to be careful to do. So, so Moses is about now to remind them of the covenant that they made with the Lord. Um, and so not all the people that are there um, now were at this place, but Moses says some interesting things here about that. And many of the people who were there um, at Mount Sinai have died. But, 
The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. So Horeb is another word for Sinai. So at Mount Sinai, this is talking about when Israel came out of Egypt, right after they came out of Egypt, uh, and they came to Mount Sinai, and the Lord made a covenant with them there. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. So what does that mean? Because many of their fathers died, and only, as far as men goes, um, the only men that were um, alive, or that are here alive, were those who were 20 years old or younger, except for Caleb and Joshua and Moses. Um, all of the men that were older than 20 at that time have died. Um, and so what does it mean that not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today? Some of them were alive. Well, um, John Calvin says this is what it means. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious what it means. Um, he didn't make this covenant with our fathers only, but with us. Many of you were there when he made it. Many of you saw him face to face. But everybody who's alive now and part of Israel um, is part of this covenant that God made. And if you think of us, we're, we're in a similar situation. We weren't, there are not many of us that saw Jesus walking on the earth, right? But we are part of that covenant, and God made a covenant with us that comes through faith in Jesus Christ by grace alone, in Christ alone. We have this covenant with Christ. And the Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up onto the mountain or into the mountain. And then he said at the end. So, so what, is this, what is this talking about? This is talking about um, Exodus chapters 19 and 20 uh, at Mount Sinai, where God is up on the mountain, Moses gets to go up on the mountain, um, but, God, but the people are not allowed to go up on the mountain Fire and smoke and uh, rumblings come from the mountain where God is. And he speaks to them from there um, and gives them the Ten, Ten Commandments verbally. So the people of Israel hear the Ten Commandments verbally. Um, but when that happens, they're terrified. And they say to Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore. You speak to him. Let him speak to you, and then you tell us what he said. And that's what happens from here on, here on out with Moses. So, so the Ten Commandments come to the people audibly. The rest of it comes through audibly from God. The rest of it comes through Moses. So Moses relays them the message. So that's what he's talking about. And then it says this, he said, which seems like in, in a 
silly way to end our last verse that we're going to read today. Um, But um, specifically, he said, this is what God said out of the fire. That's what's coming up. So Moses is about to give them the Ten Commandments. And so next week, we're going to um, start the Ten Commandments. And the plan is to cover the Ten Commandments in ten weeks. At least that's the plan for now. Now you might think, wow, one commandment a week. How are we going to do that? And I know it seems ambitious to get all ten in, in ten weeks, but, but we're going to try it. <laughs> we're going to try to get all ten in ten weeks. So, um, you might think, well, how can that really happen? Well, here's this other John Frame book that I mentioned. We're studying it as staff. I've got two little markers there. I don't know if you can see them. Kind of see them there? Um, that represents about half the book, as far as if you take the appendices off the end. Uh, almost exactly half the book. Um, and those are the Ten Commandments. So... 465 pages uh, on the Ten Commandments that Frame writes in this book, Doctrine of the Christian Life. So the Christian life, he, he writes half of it, the Doctrine of the Christian Life, how we're supposed to live on the Ten Commandments. Um, and so now it might be um, possible because also included in the Ten Commandments are are the things that logically flow from the Ten Commandments. So the, the Sixth Commandment is, in Hebrew, just two words. In, in, if you have it in your English Bible, it's almost always four words. You shall not murder. In the Hebrew Bible, it's two words. Um, and so... Seems pretty simple. You shall not murder. But does does that commandment have anything relevant to say about abortion, euthanasia, capital punishment, war? What about accidentally killing somebody? How about hating somebody? Does the Sixth Commandment, two words, have anything to say about those things? And how about the rest of Scripture that, is, that expounds on the ten, that, that thing? So I said we'd return to the verses about the cities of refuge. These verses are about the Sixth Commandment. Then Moses set apart three cities... In the east, beyond the Jordan. Okay, so I mentioned that that Hebrew had two words for the sixth commandment. Lo tirzach. The the second word, tirzach, is based on the word ratzach, which has a pretty broad range of meaning. There are two words in verse 42 that are based on the same word. That the manslayer, there's one of them, the person who rots ox, 
that the manslayer might flee there, anyone who kills. There's the other one. You shall not murder. And this word comes in here twice because it has a different kind of a meaning. And you can tell it's nuanced. Anyone who kills his neighbor unintentionally without being at enmity with him in time past, he may flee to one of these cities and save his life. So there are the two words that are based on the same word as you shall not murder. And what does it mean to be at enmity with him? Without being at enmity to him. Well, it means this. Without hating him in the past. That's what it means. Without hating him in the past. So there are implications for the sixth commandment on things like capital punishment. This, is, this verse addresses that. When it can be used. When it shouldn't be used. When an eye for an eye is not just punishment. When you want to avoid escalating things by pursuing somebody and taking vengeance on him, all included here, about hating someone. So we'll close with um, one little verse. Does this commandment say anything about hate? This is from 1 John. 1 John 3. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Without hating him in the past. That's one of the that's the thing that that makes it so that somebody who accidentally kills somebody can flee. He's not a murderer if you didn't hate him in the past. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So The Sixth Commandment has things to say about hate as well. And so for the new year, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. And so for the rest of your life, let's be lifelong learners, you shall learn them and be careful to do them. Let's close in prayer and then we'll sing our final hymn. Lord, we thank you for the richness of your word um, to us and that you have so graciously granted that we can know 
everything you require of us, everything that we need to know from you to live our lives, and that it's all contained in this book. Lord, we pray for um, this group who has heard some of that tonight, that your spirit would guide us into right understanding um, of your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.